Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi alongside me today, Taylor Dammel, No Shark. And that's not just for this episode. Major announcement, disappointing, sad news. The Shark will no longer be on the program as a regular guest. Why is that? Well, Beeswax None of Yours Incorporated has absolutely nothing to do with you. You don't need to know. But what I can say is that it is it has nothing to do with creative differences, has nothing to do with mine, Taylor, and the Sharks' friendship. We still text every single day. He is uh, a backbone, foundational part of theater in college hoops. But unfortunately, he's not going to be able to continue on with that. Uh, but we want to thank him. We want to thank him for his insights, uh, semi-decent humor, okay wit. Uh, would am looking forward, Taylor, to maybe distancing ourselves from his PowerPoint Sat- Shark Saturday slate Twitter. Uh, I thought that was tweets. really. I thought that was the only good thing he brought to the table. To be yeah. honest, see people. People have different <laughs> tastes, right? But maybe maybe we can get away from the terrible. PowerPoint presentation, but in all seriousness, the shark, thank you uh, for helping make Titch what it is today. Hopefully we will see him down the road. Uh, maybe we'll be able to get him on as, as a guest or something come postseason time. We're brought to you by belly up media, go download, subscribe, rate, and review us on whichever device it is that you use your college hooper today, Luke Mbamute former big man for UCLA. Bob Mute is a very interesting cat, Taylor. He is a prince in the village of Biamese. I hope I'm not mispronouncing that, although I probably am, in the district of Bafia, another probable mispronunciation, as he is the son of the elected village chief, Camille Mute Abidias. His father is a high-ranking government official managing the National Employment Fund of Cameroon, a training and job placement national agency. Bob Mute has a twin brother as well, and I think it is well known now how he discovered Joel Embiid and also Pascal Siakam. Uh, but Luke and Bob Mute, I know I just listed off all of the off-court stuff there. Hell of a player. And had a really nice NBA career as well. So he is your college hooper of the day, Luke and Bob Mute. Check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is and make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel. Let's open the curtains. episode whirlwind of a weekend a lot of w's there heavy weekend a lot of movement in the top 10 but let me start with your weekend uh i know you were regretting not being able to go down to tucson for that ucla arizona game man yeah 
before I dive into that, I do want to give a shout out to the shark because now you and I are going to have to figure out a way to argue with each other, though most of the time we agree with each other. So we're going to have to uh, roll that into our repertoire here. Um, also, Luke Bamute never thought he was going to have like a six-year or seven-year NBA career. I mean, I knew he was a really good college player, but didn't think uh, he was going to have that type of career. But shout out the shark more than anything else. We'll see him back. He'll be back. But um, yeah, unfortunately, um, that tip time in Tucson was tough for me uh, as a realtor. My my dojo, my uh, time that I'm really on or need to be on each weekend is uh, pretty much between nine and two on Saturdays and Sundays. Well, that tip time in Tucson at, at noon didn't help for uh, my ability to go down there, but I uh, was able to give my tickets away to a uh, friend of the program, Mitchell Bartlett, uh, a, a great listener here. Um, so he said that uh, Mikhail was was lighted uh, there uh, for UCLA. It wasn't the most offensive uh, game we've ever seen in our lives, but um, we don't have to dive too much into Arizona, although that was one of the premier games of the weekend. Um, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to dominate the podcast with, with Arizona stuff, but um, Kirk Creasa needs to still play better. Uh, I think we all know that um, at this point, but the thing that I took away from that game is similar to, I took away from the Tennessee game and it is that Arizona can win games that aren't just up and down run and gun games. Uh, I think that playing a Tennessee earlier in the year, and then also playing a UCLA and it, and even the USC game on Thursday goes to show that if Arizona Arizona can turn the defensive pressure up, that the offense is never something I think we're going to need to question. Maybe maybe like game by game, but not as a whole. Uh, Arizona being able to win a defensive matchup, which we saw a number of uh, of defensive matchups in college basketball this weekend. Um, being able to win a game where they can hold the other team to thirty percent from the field. Uh, get out-rebounded, turn the ball over more, so on and so forth, and still win, I think that bodes well for them in March. And I probably feel a little bit better about their uh, potential than I did, I would say, two weeks ago from today. Yeah, so this is just a cautionary tale to anyone trying to write off teams. We're seeing Indiana surging. We're seeing Kentucky surging. Folks, it's mid-January. Now it's late January, but when they were floundering a bit, thats I said it a couple of weeks ago about UConn, and they're really pushing it to the brink because they lost to Seton Hall, but then had a get-right game against Butler. If you're seeing floundering and poor performance sometime around the second week of February, then I think you can panic a little bit. But these are college children, all right, that they might have a bad week in class and that can affect their play. And we know no matter how much you want to make fun of them, right? These aren't Bobby Knight's Isaiah Thomas's that are tough as hell. They're probably going to hop on Instagram and Twitter and get impacted. We already saw what happened at Indiana. I think they're three and one since that little meme uh, that they looked at. So there's no point in writing off teams here in January. I, it's so, it's so convenient to have last season to point to when UNC, I wrote them off after losing to Pitt at home is within three of a national title. That that's all you really need to to know. And it's a topical, relevant uh example. But we might as well dive into Arizona here now, Taylor, because it is on our playbill as something that we wanted to talk about. It was a top 10 matchup, top eleven matchup, if you want to be specific. But I was I was I was impressed with Arizona's defense. That was the best defensive effort of the season. That was the best performance by Pella Larson all year. And he's been coming off the bench. He came off the bench on Thursday against USC. Did the same thing against UCLA. Uh, so I was I was very very happy with him. Who else? Uh, the big men. What do you, there's nothing else to say about Tibella Simbalo. They're the best front court in the country. I heard a little murmurs and some chirps that Adem Bona was going to dominate them or play better. Yeah, he got outplayed, but that's all right. Look, Adem Bona, you're a freshman, man. Uh, you're not going to get, you're, you're not going to be better than those other two guys. So that, that was another. Nah, man. Mick Cronin thinks that people are tuning in at no, noon see, on ABC to, to, for, to, to tune in to watch a demo. That's a ridiculous. Yeah, that's a that's a bad quote. It might have been taken out of context. I mean, okay. I, 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 digress, I digress. I'll let you continue. I'll just be, no, no, no. That's that's why it's good. See, we're actually starting some conflict here. 
but uh, the rebounding and the turnovers. What I'm afraid of, Taylor, is Arizona. Right now, they're not they're not good at either. And Tommy Lloyd said a great quote about the rebounding. He said, statistically, it shows that we're a good rebounding team, but I don't think we rebound the ball well at all. And he's right. UCLA, who is a good offensive rebounding team, was like plus 18 in that category. And they just had so many extra possessions. I think Arizona, coupled with the fact that they played great defense, got lucky that UCLA was ice cold the entire weekend if you go back to ASU. So the rebounding is troubling. Turnovers, it's maddening, maddening stuff. When you you know Arizona wants to push the ball, but they force feed the post on that little lob down to Tabellis or or uh, Balo, and it's an automatic turnover. We're sitting here January 24th, Taylor. Do they have time to fix this, or is this who they are? Oh, totally. I mean, I think just going back to your original point was you can't write teams off. And I actually think I'm going to push back a little bit on that, that I think you can write a few teams off. Uh, I think North Carolina's run last year was more of a, um, I don't want to say it's a misnomer, but maybe more of a flash in the pan. And I think we've seen that this year proven to be correct, considering that North Carolina wasn't good during the year last year. They haven't really been good during the year this year. So, I mean, teams, teams just get hot. Uh, that's why uh, that's why a UMBC knocks off a, a Virginia, Loyola, Chicago goes to the Final Four. So a South Carolina several years ago, shout out Frank Martin. Um, you know, uh, I think you can get hot in March, and and I think that's fine. And I think that it's it's totally fine. You can't write off a team. There are some teams that I would probably be willing to write off, like Duke is on the edge of that right now in terms of their write off. Not they from just like beat a, Miami. Yeah, but can they can they leave Cameron indoor and even compete? I mean, that's the that's a, that's a question. That's a you're question. not you're not playing true road games in March. Yeah, but you're not playing home games either. So like that's the only place that they really have showed uh, any ability to win a game. Um, but uh, well, like Duke, I, I wouldn't even I wouldn't I, I wouldn't write them off. I wouldn't write Kentucky, Indiana, Indiana off. I mean, imagine. there might be some that just suck. Right, there are teams that are done. Like I, I will say, I'll write Oregon off. How about oh, that? They're terrible. They're right, so that's bad. where I'm going. They're terrible. Uh, the fact that they beat Arizona is really uh, disappointing. Classic, classic uh, peak in peak in second week of January for a Pac-12 school that's not going to end up making the tournament. But we're getting way off the off the beaten path here. One of the reasons that I would potentially think about writing off Duke as a Final Four, even Elite Eight, maybe even second weekend uh, type of team at this point is that. You could always hang your hat that co- on Coach K being there and understanding that, like, oh, this Elite Eight game is quite literally the 100th most important game, if not less than for Coach K in each individual year. You know, uh, Shire's just trying to find his uh, his footing. So there might be some years here where maybe Duke can't win on the road and they don't push it as hard in the tournament simply because of that. We'll know in the next, you know, one to three years, if that's true or not. But anyway, going back to our original discussion here, um, no, I think I think Arizona has shown the ability to do everything that they want to do. They haven't necessarily shown the ability all in one game, and um, I I think it's plausible that it is fixable. Uh, I would say, as an argument, they don't have to fix all three of those things that you listed, um, or all three of the things that we've talked about: turnovers rebounding and then um you know i guess our our or their offensive struggles that they are you know shooting kirk Creasa, uh shooting the ball well or not they really only need to do two of those things they don't need to do all three of those things because if I'd you argue if, they only need to do one yeah right exactly okay exactly so it's like if you shoot the ball really well who gives a shit how many ball- times you get get a rebound because you're shooting 55 percent from the floor on the other side no team in the country is going to be able to uh, deal with that. If you don't turn the ball over, then you're going to end up having more shot opportunities, which subsequently means you're going to make more. So your rebounding stats would potentially go down because of that. That's okay. And then vice versa. If you do turn the ball over a lot, but you get every rebound, it's kind of the same concept, right? So they don't need to do all three. If they do all three, then they're the 1974 UCLA team, essentially, you know, like, I mean, they, not every team can be good at everything. Every team's going to have some deficiencies. They essentially just need to do two of those three things, and um, and I think they'll have their success is is, is essentially limitless. 
especially as we see it in college basketball today. I think as we talked about last week uh, with the field being quote unquote wide open, I think that was point proven this weekend with uh, Houston going down to a team like Temple. Um, you know, Houston teams have to lose at some point. So I don't think that's necessarily indicative of like how the rest of their season is going to go. But even look at Purdue, Purdue only won by three. Um, you know, there's just Baylor only won by two. Um, yeah, Duke at home, even though Miami's a good team, only won by a couple. Uh, things are close right now, right? But I think if, if a team like in Arizona can do two of those three things simply because we know that they're good enough. I still have my questions about some of these other teams. I think, uh, you know, obviously we have a closer eye on Arizona than some other teams. But I think if they can do two of those three things, the world's really their oyster at, at this point. Yeah, I would agree. But I would also, in having years of experience, just hang tight because I do think there is that pressure of March. And it's like, okay, we've seen teams so well put together. We've seen supernova teams where that just came out of the blue and it just comes to a screeching halt at the Elite Eight. So I'm I'm just going to watch with some cautious optimism regarding that team, Arizona. UCLA, on the other hand, I just want to talk about them really briefly before we get into some of those top 10 teams that lost and a lot of the movement there. But regarding UCLA, I watched the ASU game on Thursday. They just didn't shoot the ball well at all. And like I said, I credit both ASU and Arizona's defense they got, I think their fans knew they kind of got lucky against ASU and Tempe by going up against an inferior opponent who kind of just lost gas, who uh, probably had a coach that's that that can't keep up with a Mick Cronin, who's a terrific coach. But Tommy Lloyd's a better coach than Bobby Hurley. That's pretty much a fact. And then the talent discrepancy between Arizona and ASU. So UCLA kind of got away with playing a poor game in Tempe. Their second straight Tempe poor performance. I don't know if you remember last year, it was a comedy of errors. I'm talking like arrested development level of comedy uh, when UCLA went into Tempe last year, but this year they weren't good. And then against Arizona and Tucson, they did not shoot the ball well whatsoever. Attribute it to an early start, attribute it to it being on the road and also uh, the, the ratcheted up defense from Arizona. But I think what's even more troubling is they shot so poorly while pretty much getting two possessions at a time because they they were killing us, as we mentioned, on the offensive board. And that sucks the wind out of your opponent. But then you don't even take advantage of it for the most part, right? You still didn't shoot well whatsoever from the perimeter. And I, I think they they needed a better effort and, and a bigger game from Hawkes. Uh, I just, I, I genuinely don't know who played all that well for UCLA in this entire weekend. Maybe Tiger Campbell for settling them down uh, in Tempe, but Hawkes had two really bad games. And then David Singleton was really good against ASU, but I texted you this, man, he was shut down in Tucson. Zero points. You know me, you know, I love David. David Singleton, I mentioned him at the in our preview episode. You cannot leave him open. I saw a lot of times people help strong side help off of David Singleton, which was a monumental mistake. He was shut down. And when he gets his three ball going, that's when UCLA can slowly but surely dice you up and kill you. Never ever happened in Tucson. So I'm looking forward to UCLA getting their shooting stroke back. Uh, but they got a tall test still, rivalry game against USC. Yeah, and I mean, I think we've talked about this on this program a handful of times. It's I, I, I think other people are bigger fans of Tiger Campbell than I am, I, and that's not to dis, that's not to put him down. He's a he's a very, 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 very good college point guard. Very good college point guard. Ninety eight percent of the teams, if not more, in college basketball, would like Tiger Campbell to be on their team. So I get that. This isn't supposed to say that like UCLA sucks. They're clearly very good, right? So I'm not trying to say that. They're clearly going to be a top like two or three seed at worst at this point. They're going to completely have an opportunity to go to the final four, all of that. My questions for them are, you know, Tiger Campbell went five of 18 against Arizona. That's not good. You can't, your starting point guard can't be missing 13 shots a game, in my opinion. Um, I, and uh, they haven't UCLA 
has won every game they should have, but they also haven't really beat anybody of note this year. I guess their best win would be at Maryland or maybe at home against Kentucky, but we're talking about two teams where that Lunardi has as like their first and last four out at this point. So I still think, you know, I still think UCLA is extremely good. I still think they have an opportunity to go and win anything they want to this year. I guess my pushback would be that I think the media wants you to think that they've proven that this year, but I think the actual results don't really hold that water at this point. I mean, if they went on the road and beat Arizona this last week, I would have been like, yeah, okay. You know, those they're they're They can do anything they want to do, but if they can't beat, the good teams that they've played. And you look at, I mean, the, the argument, the other direction is the opposite for Arizona, right? Arizona has beat lost every single teams. They've re- beat every single good team that they've played, but they've lost, also lost to terrible. But they've teams. also lost to shitty teams. Yeah. Right. So I like mean, God awful teams. where you want to fall on, which is more important or not. I don't know. I mean, obviously I'm biased. I'd rather show that I can beat the number three and number five team in the country and lose an off game to like Utah on the road. But at the same time, that shows that maybe the team can't focus. Maybe it shows that they'd get into a tournament and play a 15 seed UMBC. And all of a sudden they're like, Oh shit, we got to, we got a tie game down the stretch. And that's something that I'd be a little more confident in UCLA beating because they're like, Hey, okay. This just, a, we got to run these guys over. Cause that's what we do. So, yeah, I mean, I guess there's two different schools of thought. Typical U of A UCLA probably can't agree on fucking anything. Right. You know, and it's like one team, one team has a very high ceiling, beats anybody, but loses anybody. The other team can't beat the top guys, but beats everybody else. So, yeah, I mean, I think the muddled middle for them, uh, for both those teams, I don't know, but clearly, 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 far and away, the two best teams in the conference. Clearly, both teams are going to be top three seeds at worst at this point. Yeah, and I think for UCLA, that USC matchup is going to be huge because if they lose that game, I actually think some people might to cool a little bit or might want to cool a little bit on UCLA. No one's going to give them grief for losing in Tucson when game day's there. And if we're being honest, uh, and I'm sure a lot of journalists are actually wa- didn't watch the game, maybe they just caught the final score. Uh, that final score was a lot prettier for UCLA then it probably should have been Arizona with four straight turnovers where you're just saying to yourself, what the hell are you doing? All I said, I texted you. I said with about two minutes left, I think they were up 13. I was like, all right, just don't turn the ball over and the game's over. They had four straight inexplicable turnovers. And so UCLA, uh, credit to them for not folding. You're not, that's never going to happen under McCronin. And they created the turnovers. They made it dicey at the end and they capitalized off of it. Just your, it was the epitome of too little, too late. It was one of those fake ass comebacks that might even upset a fan base even more. Like, I don't even want this to happen. Like, where was this the first 36 minutes uh, of the game? But I do think UCLA going up against USC, who actually had a beatdown of a pretty good ASU team, that's going to be a challenge. Well, that's got kind of what I fear in college basketball this year, at least for as it relates to Arizona. But what might what might happen, uh, you know, in the tournament in general is that um, you're going to get a um, kind of like a Kentucky, Wichita State from back in the day, um, a, you know, a North Carolina, a Duke or whatever that are all going to be like an 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 seed that you're going to have to play in the second round. And then all of a sudden, a, a, an ultra-athletic Kentucky team is pressing you up eight with a minute and a half left of a, you know, and you're like, oh, shit, I've seen this movie before, you know? I, I agree, but I also have zero sympathy. Like, get the ball over half court, dribble oh, the ball. Totally, like, totally. What totally. Are, like, ew, that, was, that was kind of pathetic. But uh, we'll move on here from Arizona UCLA. Taylor, you had mentioned some of the top 10. I want to talk a little bit about the top 10 and those teams losing, and then obviously the movement that occurred earlier yesterday uh, on Monday. So Purdue moves into that number one spot at 19-1. and Incredible, man. Coming from all the way unranked, one loss only on the year. Number two, Alabama playing as good as anyone in the entire country. They're just putting a beat down on their SEC foes. Houston loses to Temple. They did have a chance 
I think to tie the game and force overtime on an awesome play design from Kelvin Sampson, but shot didn't go in. Houston suffers their second loss in the Fertitta center that dropped them to three Tennessee quietly uh, at number four. I think they could beat a uh, Alabama team. I can't wait for that matchup, Tennessee Bama, but I, I don't know, Taylor, you might be able to help me out here. What were they entering the Kentucky game? Do you know what, what they were ranked? What Tennessee was? Yes. With the, what were they ranked entering the Kentucky game that they lost in TBA? Was that last Saturday? I think that was last Saturday. They were five. They were five. Crazy how not going insane and jumping out off of bridges into the bodies of water and keeping your cool. It's crazy how much that helps you because after you lose to Kentucky, we got all volunteer fans saying, oh, here we go again. Or we got all folks saying, oh, uh, Tennessee just lost at home. Are we sure about them? They're up a spot. All right. Take it easy. Con- Tennessee's a very good team. Kansas State, biggest rise that we've seen in a long time. I think they moved up eight spots. What a week. What a week for Jerome Tang and the Wildcats. They beat Kansas at home. And then who did they take down after that? Was it Oklahoma State? No. No, no, no. The Iowa State played Oklahoma State. Who did Kansas State beat? Let's think about this. Let me. Let, I, I'm sure our listeners are about to yell it Texas out. Tech. Texas Tech. Texas Tech. Thank you. Who a couple of weeks ago, Shark was like, "Oh, you think they're absolutely going to beat Texas Tech?" I said, "Yeah," because Tech kind of stinks. Zero and seven. So Kansas State, Arizona. We talked about Virginia, much like their head coach. Very quiet. They're at number seven. UCLA drops a couple spots to eight. I'm fine with that uh, because it, although it felt like they lost twice, they really only lost once in a close matchup against a now top six team. Kansas. Woo, Kansas has a... <laughs> yeah, <woo>. So again, <laughs> this is another reason though. Like People are going to say, what's wrong with Kansas? I hate the phrasing of it. Maybe they just play in an incredibly difficult uh, conference where they have to go on the road against their rival and losing overtime. So nothing really wrong there. They got smacked by TCU. Fine. Hand up. You can't get smacked in Lawrence, but they got smacked last year against Kentucky and look what happened. They went on to win the national title and now they have Baylor. So while this airs, uh, that game will have already finished. We're recording a couple hours before tip off, but Kansas could very well be looking at three straight losses. Taylor, I know that was long winded. That's the top nine Texas at number 10. Uh, Fire off any of your thoughts. Oh, I want to be super petty and just bring up Gonzaga at 14, though, as well. Uh, you know, we were feeling super bad about Arizona's loss at home a couple of weeks ago. And fortunately for us, from there, pretty much every good team lost at home from <laughs> from there on out. Uh, you know, I, I think you're under I think you're underselling TCU's ass kicking of Kansas at Fog Allen. I mean, that wasn't that wasn't a win where they were up like 33 to 13 or something at one point ended up winning by 22. That was a, that was a demolishing from Mike miles uh, and the gang there at TCU. So uh, I, I I've been very bullish on TCU all year. Uh, the only time I picked them in our betting league was the only time like they didn't fucking cover in the last two months. So good for me. That seems to be a pretty common uh, theme so far. Uh, from my betting pick so far this year. But I do want to bring up Tennessee. I think we've been very pro-Tennessee this year, uh, despite what Shark has uh, suggested over the course of time. In fact, I think I've been even more pro-Tennessee than like every other team in college basketball so far this year. Um, Jeremiah Jordan James had his best game of the year. Josiah, you did it again. Or Josiah, God damn it, damn it. Just, just call him JJJ. <laughs> uh, JJJ had his best game. Why do I keep saying that? Who's Jeremiah Jordan? Jeremiah James. I don't. I don't know. Anyway, anyway. So yeah, Triple J, J. Yeah, there you go. J cubed. J cubed. If we're going back, had his best game of the year. Had his worst. You know, maybe his worst game of the year against Kentucky a couple weeks ago or or last weekend. Uh, Rebounded nicely or responded nicely. Had his best game. They're the quietest, loudest team in college basketball. Like their team isn't loud right their fan base is strange for lack of a better term but 
it's almost like we hear from them way more than when they lose than when they win. It, it, I, I think at least obviously they're not losing that much barely at all. So maybe that's a reason why, but uh, their fan base has struck me as kind of funny this year, following them a little more just because of uh, Arizona's two matchups with them over the last two years where it's like, I heard nothing about their win this weekend, but their loss at Kentucky last week, like you were saying, it's like, let's all let's burn Thompson bowling down, you know? And it's like, Oh, we're still the number four team in the country. Um, Xavier also lost uh, this last ball, week yeah. as well. Yeah, um, had a pretty had an okay win against Georgetown. They're nothing, though, um, unfortunately. But uh, you know, going back to your original point here, Alabama's at number two is the most underrated team in the country, even at number two. Uh, they're amazing. Uh, I I love them. I was more pro Arkansas heading into the year. They have subs since slid down the rankings. Injuries, but, but yeah, 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 and but still, um, Alabama's amazing, they've done an incredible job, uh, there in Tuscaloosa. Um, and then, uh, Kansas State, a, a team we highlighted last weekend with Keontae Johnson, what a what a run they're on here right now. Um, as we, you know, as we talked about the top 10, other teams we brought up last week, like a uh, College of Charleston keeps winning, FAU keeps winning, even like a St. Mary's is hanging around there in the twenties and they're going to, they're going to excuse my French. They're going to fuck someone up in March madness being a somewhat low seated. Uh, they're almost getting like the reverse Gonzaga treatment. I feel like where Gonzaga gets all this credit for beating the, the sisters of the poor, but St. Mary's is there doing the same thing this year and is getting like no pub, no, you know, no coverage at all. So um, I think, I think they're really, I mean, for them, they didn't even move from 22 this last week. Um, well, one more team I want to highlight is UConn. And I know we kind of talked about it a little more. I, I'll give UConn credit for doing what they did to Butler. Butler's not a world beater by any means. Uh, but at least Hurley got must have got in their heads and be like, yo, guys, like we got to get going because – we can't go from, we were joking last week about the, what's the highest ranking and lowest ranking of a team that went from unranked to number two in the country to potentially back down. If they would have lost to Butler, they wouldn't be ranked right now. And so I'll, I'll give them a little bit of credit for, for responding uh, to, to that. I mean, I'm not saying that playing a five, essentially enough, a 500 team is all that much pressure, especially at home, but uh, given the losing streak that they were on, or the losing ways that they had uh, come to know recently, uh, I'll give them some credit for responding there this last weekend. Yeah, I think UConn did a nice job of having that get-right game. Uh, a few items uh, in the top 25 that I want to hit on. I guess I'll start from the bottom, New Mexico. I don't know if anyone caught this, but last Friday, New Mexico hosted Boise State at a Mountain West showdown in the pit. It was awesome. Went to overtime, Tyson Degenhart. I tweeted this clip out, but when we had assistant coach for Boise State, Roberto Bergerson on the pod, I asked him, who are some names that the country is not familiar with? And this was back a week or two before Thanksgiving. And he said, T. Deggy, Tyson Degenhart. And T. Deggy had himself a game despite Boise State losing. But New Mexico, hug for them. They're back in the top 25-year reward, Richard Patino. You go on the road to Nevada where they're three and a half point favorites. It's not easy out there in the Mountain West. I'd like to see New Mexico continue to stay in that top 25. Clemson, baby, they dropped uh, five spots, but they did get a good win against Virginia Tech. Hunter Tyson, another guy that I talked about, hit the game winner for them. I, I love Clemson. I, I, I love these new teams that are, are showing out and, and making their mark. So Clemson, good for you. You mentioned St. Mary's. You're right, man. They're, they are going to body someone come tournament time, and everyone's going to be like, oh, man, Randy Bennett, I guess he just came out of no – no, he's actually arguably the uh, – he's got a better team than Gonzaga in that conference right now because the Zags, which leads me to my next point, they were playing with fire for about three weeks, and they finally got burned. And it took them a while to pull away from Pacific – that's not good. All right. So I've, I've made some commentary on the ACC and the level of play. Gonzaga, you did all of your hard games in the out of conference and we were hat tipping you for that. We were very impressed that you played at Alabama, that you played Michigan state, et cetera. 
now is where you're supposed to make your hay and just dominate like you always do. And they haven't done that for a while. Last thing I want to bring up Baylor. A lot of people have been sleeping on Baylor. They're making a move right now. If they can take care of a vulnerable Kansas team, look for them to be around mm, 12 or so sometime next week. So slow grind for the Baylor bears. No point in ever writing them off for Scott drew. Yeah. I think um, one of the things I wanted to bring up on this program and we, we talk about it every single year. So it's not like I'm, you know, no Stradamus or anything here, but um, it really feels like college basketball has gotten going in the last 10 days, you know? And, and I know we say that every year cause the NFL playoffs are, you know, narrowing down the NBA hasn't even hit all-star break yet. So nobody really gives a shit about the NBA at this point yet, but you know, we're only like 42 days from selection Sunday, 44 days. From, we're, we're close. I think in like, I think in like 48 days or 47 days, we're going to have a bracket. It's something like that. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's in a very like short time period here. Now we're getting down to, we're talking about only like 12 games left for most, most teams in college basketball. And so uh, we talked about this with Villanova last week, like it's time to go. And, and, and I think a couple teams really have started to gather that. And I think others have have clearly not. Gonzaga is one of those teams that I thought, you know, you come off, um, you know, you come off a, a, a couple of mediocre games in a row and you go on the road and play a team uh, like Pacific and especially coming off a loss at home to, to Loyola Marymount. And you're like, okay, this is where a good team would just stomp on uh, an inferior opponent. You know, we're all, you wouldn't even Mark, few wouldn't even need to go in there and be like, Hey guys, like you want to start playing? Like you think with like a 19th year senior, like Drew Timmy or, you know, those type of guys where you'd be like, okay, they're just going to flip it on and they're going to stomp uh, Pacific. And they didn't, it was quite literally a three to four point game down the stretch. Also Pacific being in Stockton always throws me off like a hundred miles inland of the actual ocean. Uh, I'm just, that's just a whole nother thought that I always have. I always think that it's like a two and a half miles from Pepperdine's campus, whatever. Let me move on from that. But you would think that like a, a, a quote unquote, good team, great team like Gonzaga would just go in there and just pound them. And they didn't, I mean, you can't give, you can't sell me. I have a lot of Gonzaga fans that in my life, as we've talked about before, you can't sell me Gonzaga's like ceiling in March madness when you're giving up 90 points to Pacific. Cannot, will not listen to that. It's because we've been so conditioned to see Gonzaga beat up on these teams and then fall short in the tournament with the exception of a couple times, right? They've been to a title game, been to a final four, uh, been to two title games, I should say, excuse me, and lost both of them. Um, But we're so conditioned to seeing them like last year, losing to Arkansas, and after beating up on teams where it's like now, wait, you can't even pull away from Pacific. How am I going to trust you against real teams? And so I think that's where the, it's a lose-lose situation for Gonzaga fans. Literally until you win a national title, I don't think anyone's going to trust you. I'm sorry. That's it's kind of like saying the quiet part out loud. Dude, February 4th, Gonzaga in Moraga. Our boy, Omar Samhan. Maybe on hand for that game. Uh, I hope he is because that's going to be a, a a barn burner there. Uh, it's going to be a hell of a matchup. Uh, whether the rankings suggested or not, that might be one of the, if not the most important basketball game of that weekend, not looking at the schedule. But St. Mary's having an opportunity. I mean, I, I, they have to be licking their chops at this point where – the the almighty powerful Gonzaga has come back down to the field and they get then at home to to take over the conference. That's a that could be a a year a year uh, or a season shifting event there in uh, in the WAC. It's got to be fun. Uh, Taylor, the West Coast Conference, whatever. Yeah, the, not, not yeah the WAC. Jesus, whatever. They're all fucking the same. Well, no, the WAC's terrible. The WAC is truly, really bad. Uh, the West Coast Conference, though, has boasted some successful teams. Let's talk now, though, about Auburn, okay? The reason I want to talk about Auburn, if you don't mind, is, of course, great friend of the program, Burgo, Mike Burgo, master assistant coach there at Auburn. But also, I feel like 
they are the one team in the top 25 that nobody, nobody has talked about, not even for a millisecond. And I kind of get it. They're, the, the first half of their schedule hasn't been super impressive or fun or exciting or anything like that. But at the end of the day, if we talk Auburn, they're at 31 consecutive appearances in the AP top 25. Uh, they're not necessarily exceptional at everything, Ken, but, but Ken Palm has them right behind Arizona, who we just finished throwing a parade for. Their losses are to Memphis, USC, and Georgia. Again, to teams that are, they're not terrible teams, but they're not great teams. Everything about this that I'm describing just seems lukewarm and tepid and nothing wild that we hear about these Auburn teams the past few years. But their schedule is definitely backloaded. Let me talk to you about their schedule real quick, Taylor, okay? Coming up, they have Texas A&M, winnable game, West Virginia, winnable game, Georgia, winnable game, although you know they have to revenge on their mind. Tennessee, uh, that's at Tennessee. That's probably a loss, if I'm being honest with you. Then they go at Tamu, mm, home against Bama. That is going to be a wild scene. That actually might be the first time in history where Alabama-Auburn basketball might have a crazier environment than Alabama-Auburn football in the Iron Bowl. Okay, Then they got home against Missouri, tough game. At Vandy, they should win. Home against Ole Miss, they should win. Then they go at Kentucky. This is Listen to their final three games, Taylor. At Kentucky, at Alabama, home against Tennessee. Lord have mercy. So they are fully backloaded. Maybe that's not why we're talking about uh, Auburn as much because we're like, well, let's see how they do in the second half of the year. Johnny Broom averaging nearly a double-double with 13-8. and eight. Am I crazy for thinking that nobody is talking? Like the one team in the top 25 nobody is talking about. It's this Auburn team that's been to a Final Four and was ranked number one at one point last year. They're kind of this year's Purdue in the Big Ten where often you you go and you're like wait a second this team's only like one and a half games back with like four to play you know and they just kind of hung out hung in the cut there so to speak you know i mean they have they from a schedule standpoint they certainly have an opportunity to win that conference surprisingly enough um you know tennessee the conference is going to go as tennessee does still in my opinion but um what about bama or uh, yeah, excuse me. As Bama's gonna go, excuse me. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, but, but it could be Tennessee too. Like, right? Well, yeah. Uh, uh, but you're totally right. Uh, Auburn has hung there, and I think it's just because they don't. There's nothing, like you said. There's nothing that's overly impressive about them that sticks out. Uh, and I don't mean that from a team aspect, but you know, their their leading scorer, uh, Wendell Green, is averaging 13.7 points a game. That's not exactly breaking any records. You know. Nobody's averaging, you know, Johnny Broom like you just brought up, eight and eight point six assists, no or boards. Nobody's averaging really only four over four assists. They're not. There's nobody that's like shooting the lights out necessarily. There's nobody that's you know dominating any game. But sometimes when it comes to especially like March Madness, that's exactly what you need. You know, where you just say, hey, anyone can get it, and not it's not just reliance upon one person. Now clearly they're not as good as the as the uh, team from t- that went to the final four with the you know top three picks in the draft and stuff like that. But as I think we've come to notice in our history of college basketball fanhood and just the history of college basketball in general, it's not the flashiest team necessarily that wins the title, you know, I mean that, or at least gets to a final four, uh, look at a, we, we think of those Texas tech and Virginia teams as being so good. And we think of their players because they went to the final four, both of those teams, especially Virginia, was quite literally one shot away from losing in the Sweet 16, and we never would would anybody even care about Ty Jerome if that would have happened? No. So sometimes it's the team that can come at you from all angles or at least not be deficient in any angle, uh, kind of like an Auburn is this year, and maybe we need to get Burgo back on here to you know to kind of give us the, the more lowdown, the behind-the-scenes look as to why they're having this success. But, yeah, their losses – I, I Georgia is a sneaky okay team. Like they they actually are pretty decent. Um USC started really slow. 
uh, you know, in some of our original episodes of this particular season, we kind of hated on USC and the Pac-12, which they're not, the Pac-12 is still not good, but USC actually has rebounded uh, decently. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, Auburn, Auburn at 15, you look and you're like, huh, wait a second. They might be, they might be something. If you look at their last wins too, uh, I mean, no, you're not writing home about your win at South Carolina, but I mean, they smoked LSU, Mississippi state's a good basketball team. Ole Miss is a decent basketball team beat Arkansas by double digits. I mean, SEC is one of the best, one of the two, two best conferences in the country. I think we all know the big 12 at this point is probably the best conference in the country, but the SEC, you win that thing, you're tournament ready. I think it's just jarring to me that the lack of, I don't know if it's exposure or media attention that Auburn's getting for this incredible feat that I had mentioned. All right. 31 consecutive appearances in the AP top 25. And I think that's a testament to Bruce Pearl. We're not even talking about this long streak. We're not even talking about them being such a solid it's a, team. It's a testament to Mike Burgo master. That's true. Yes. Yes. Hug for Burgo. But we're not even really batting an eye at this. And I want to just say, do we remember where Auburn was pre-Burgo, pre-Pearl? Right? The fact that they would even sniff the top 25 would be cause for celebration. Now it's one of the most daunting home courts in the entire country. And when we thought we we talked about them last year, and I think a lot of people were super high on them. And this probably contributes to the uh, attention that they're getting this year. But they they got smoked by Miami, point blank period in that tournament game. It wasn't even close. It was a shocking result. And a lot of people, I think, said, well, damn, they're going to lose Walker Kessler now, who's doing a great job for the Utah Jazz and a few other pieces. And then Pearl just reloads and, and he gets his folks to buy into the system. Now, like I said, we're going to – Auburn's going to be one of those teams, Taylor, I'm telling you, where in about two, three weeks, if no, two weeks, if they continue their winning ways, people are going to jump on their bandwagon. And I want you to know where you heard it first because we are Auburn guys, all right? And they're strong. They're lurking in the weeds, and they're taking care of the business that they need to take care of. I mentioned how backloaded that schedule was. How many times do we see teams play with their food in the first half of the season, and then they got to struggle, and they got to put forth every shred of en energy that they have against a Tennessee, against an Alabama, right, against a Kentucky they're building up some some goodwill, I guess, where they're not going to win all of those games. I hate to say it. If they do, they're probably you're probably looking at the number one overall seed, if I'm being perfectly honest. But Auburn, I just want people to remember their name. Okay, I know we're enamored with FAMU. I know we're enamored with College of Charleston. I know we love Zach Eady and the one-loss Purdue Boilermakers. Just remember about Auburn, please. FAU, by the way. FAU, sorry, yeah, not Florida yeah, A&M. But no, I, I, I'm right there for and and really any of those top three teams in the SEC, I'm going to be super bullish on uh, when it comes to March, uh, too. As we've talked about, big Alabama guys as well. Any U of A or, or AU team, I think we're pretty much on board with this year. I've come to <laughs> I've come to understand that. <laughs> That's funny. The only one I'm thinking of, the first name that goes to. My mind is American University, but you're right. Should good. be like Auburn. I'm good. Are They're, we good with American? Good. I'm good with them too. Yeah, but uh, even even Arkansas, I still think is better than Arkansas. What even they're still better. I think if they can get it all together, uh, you know, than than what they've showed us this year. So yeah, AU UA, I'm there for almost all of it. I think this year. Yeah, I can incorporate my dad into this as well. He's a big science nerd. Periodic table AU. That's cold, right? I think that's the uh, that's the chemical sign. Is it symbol sign? Chemical it, gold is is AU. I know that. All right, T. Let's go ahead and get some of your picks. Quick recap though uh, for the segment. Get in my belly. No, we I, don't have to. We don't. Let's recap. Not, we don't have to recap. Yeah. Well, that's all right. I, how about this? I'll recap the shark as well because this guy is just burnt to a crisp. You talk about your July 4th hot dogs and burgers on the grill for way too long, just charred and burnt. Virginia Tech has done that to the shark. 
Actually, it might be Virginia Tech's fault that he's no longer with us. He took Virginia Tech plus seven and a half against Virginia. No dice. Did not happen. Did not hit. UConn minus four against Seton Hall. He had that. They were up 15 or so, 17 in in Seton Hall. Shaheen Holloway and the boys come back and win outright. He did get Florida plus four against Texas A&M. You, on the other hand, 0 for 3. T, I'm sorry. TCU plus one and a half versus West Virginia. Arguably the worst performance of TCU's season. I know they lost to Northwestern State earlier, but they didn't have Damian Ball. They didn't have Mike Miles. Had all those guys against West Virginia. Still lost. But if it's any consolation, which it probably isn't for gambling purposes, followed it up with probably their best performance of the season in Lawrence. UConn minus four against Seton Hall. You got burned on that one as well. And then Texas A&M minus four against Florida, where Florida was just not shooting well whatsoever in the first half. You probably thought you had that in the bag. But alas. But Tam- and Tamu still, that's the worst one because Tamu won by two, I think, still, or three. There's, you'd almost rather, as a better, you'd almost rather lose because you won. Your your mindset is that you won. Like you realize you, everything that you thought was going to come to fruition did, but just not by enough points. I'd almost rather just be lose by 25 the other way and just be like, oh, okay, than lose by one on the spread. But um, yeah, uh, Northwestern State, another purple team uh that we have hanging out in college basketball uh and the purple teams as we've uh mentioned this year are dangerous teams so i assume you want me to get into my picks for this week because they've been so good as of late that's all right it's it's a it's an opportunity for a major comeback here yeah well you know i would hate to to buck the trend speaking of purple teams and go against that but let's go to kansas state kansas state heading on the road at Iowa State, the line currently is plus five. So I'm going to take Kansas State plus five. I am such a believer in Kansas State. I think like almost too much. We're, I'm U of A, AU, or Wildcat, or Purple Teams. This is, I guess, all I'm going with so far or, or for the rest of the year. Uh, Kansas State, I mean, Iowa State's good. They're good at home. Um, if this was maybe a slightly smaller line, like if it drifts down to like two or three, uh, maybe I want to take K-State, but K-State, K-State by multiple possessions as an underdog, I like. Uh, so I like K-State plus five. At five Iowa points State. is a lot of points, isn't it? I, so I, yeah, and, you know, I mean, they're they're eight and two in their last ten uh, against the spread. Uh, three and two on the road. So they haven't played a lot of road games, but still have a winning record on the load. Iowa State has lost three home games this year. So, or excuse me, excuse me. They've lost, they're seven and three against the spread at home this year. So they're not covering, you know, like, uh, exclusively at home. So I just think K-State is just is uh, very good. Uh, obviously, we've mentioned how much I, I think about Keontae Johnson. So I'm going K-State. So let's keep this going. Let's go TCU at home, minus six and a half against Oklahoma. I don't think there's much explanation to this other than Oklahoma only has one road rim this win this year. K-State or uh, TCU just smoked Kansas by 20-plus in fog. So in Fog Allen, so I'm rolling Mike Miles, uh, a team that I know both of these teams actually are going to just torch my bracket when they get upset by like a Kentucky as the 12 seed in the second round or like a Duke or North Carolina. Uh, but for now, I'm rolling with it. Let's go TCU minus six and a half. And then Porter, finish- Porter Moser going to Notre Dame real quick. <laughs> Oh, is he? I don't know. No, no, no. I'm asking you. Is oh, this the yeah, game? Yeah, yeah, if he doesn't right. cover yeah. six and a half, is his ass going to South Bend? Maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah, right. Why not? Right. And then uh, my last but not least is I'm going to go sneaky a little bit on this one. I'm not sure if uh, the Shark or you would agree with this matchup. But I feel like Kentucky's kind of going to get going here. A little bit, despite everything we've said so far. I mean, it's not like Vandy is a bunch of world beaters uh, down there in in, in, in Cashville, right? So uh, Kentucky, three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Uh, Memorial Coliseum, my least favorite college basketball gym in the country. So I almost automatically bet against Vanderbilt just for that alone. But I kind of like Kentucky by three-and-a-half. I feel like at some point, at some point, they have to get going. I think we're going to start seeing that. They're simply, I know this is 
you're going to hear this on every uh, podcast article you'd ever read in the country. They're more talented than every almost every other team in the country. Can they put it all together? I think against a team like Vanderbilt, they can. So Kentucky, three favorite, or uh, excuse me, two favorites and an underdog. TCU, Kentucky, and Kansas State. I love those picks. And Kentucky, it's all right to say it because it's so glaringly obvious. There's a reason why we always hype them up. It's because of all these recruiting classes and because of the talent that Cal can pull in. But it's going to take a big effort this week because they got a huge win, obviously, at TBA. Then they stave off a pretty solid or Georgia team, excuse me, at home. Do the same thing again with Texas A&M. Now they got to take the show on the road into a hostile environment. Should be able to beat Vanderbilt. And then if you can don't look past Vanderbilt, man, because you know, what's looming after that Vandy game in Rupp, they got Kansas and they have a chance to repeat what they did last year. And so if they beat Vandy, they beat, they beat Kansas. That'll be one, two out of the last five games where they beat the top 10 team could be looking at a ranked Kentucky team. Uh, sometime next Monday. So I like those picks there, T. Hey, let's pick you up off the mat. All right. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to go to war with you. You gotta bet through it. You can't just give up. You know, it's just because you have a bad week or seven in a row. Just you gotta just bet through it, you know. I will yeah. say, in my defense, if I may, that a three and oh week, if you parlay that, should be enough money to pay for your like next six down weeks after that. Okay. <laughs> I'm just throwing, I'm just, I just for maybe personal experience. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. A couple three and oh, weeks. I'd rather go three and oh every three, every, you know, every third week than go like two and one every week because I'm parlaying these all together personally. That's my betting strategy. So I'm just throwing that out there in my defense. Yeah. And I'm catching it. Well, I want you to know whenever I tweet this out, now, of course, no shark. Um, it's not going to be, I don't want you to take it personally when I put those X's next to those picks or if I put the checks next to, next to those picks. I am simply the scribe. I'm the stenographer. I am the one that has to just keep record of it. And look, maybe we'll get to a point where I'll actually put my neck out on the line and throw some Ooh. bets. But for right now, all right, I'll let you that, be the domain because like, we're giving out winners. Like that sounds like LeBron teasing for 19 years that he was going to be in the dunk contest. Like, Oh, Damn. I might, I might just, I might, you know, do this at one point. Does that mean that you think I have the betting ability? If there's a correlation, I have the betting ability that LeBron has with his dunking ability. Listen, you pull back the curtains and without that, this doesn't happen. So that's all I'm going to say about that. I like that. All right, T let's get on out of here on some good things. Some positivity to end the program. What do you got? Let's talk about UMass Lowell. And I don't think we've talked about them. Uh, Would love to. That's my dojo, man. Yeah, I know. I know. I I know that I'm going to make a a significant percentage of our listenership uh, happy with the Northeast, specifically a UMass directional school. I guess it's not, I guess it's not directional, but a a UMass school of some kind here. Um, you know, they've only been a D1 school since 2013. Pat Duquette took over that year. Uh, I don't think they've had a winning record since that year. Someone can someone can fact check me on that. I'm trying to remember what they were last year because weren't they in the conference title game, which I feel like you would have to have close to a winning record. Uh, last year, uh, unless they made a run, what I'm seeing is that they finished 7 and 11 in conference mm. last year. Um, I, I, per, I mean, you know, in these conference tournaments, though, no. some teams make a run. I'll uh, let you cook. Yeah, anyway, so they're 17 and 4 this year. Talk about a glow up here 17 and 4, 11 and 0 at home, 5 and 2 in conference, leading the conference by half a game over teams like Vermont, UMBC, Binghamton, Bryant, New Hampshire, so on and so forth. Um, a team that how many times has anyone who is even a college basketball fan ever talked about UMass Lowell? Probably never. If you told me that you've talked about UMass Lowell before, you're you're lying to me. So not you, Sue, but the listenership, right? You've never talked about UMass Lowell. So happy to see them. what I mean, 17 and four. What uh, that's almost more wins, I think, than they've had in any any year since they joined D1 and we're on January 24th right now. So shout out to them. 
uh, shout out to their, uh, you know, winning the conference or leading the conference at this point. We'd love to see some new blood make the tournament because uh, this would be their first uh, first time making the tournament of all time. And I think what a, what a cool story that would be. I love that you shouted them out. They are having a wonderful, terrific season. I hope they do get to the tournament. Little known fact about me, I've played on their court. Uh, and it's it's fine. It's, was, it, <laughs> was, it, was it against Alex Oriaki? No. That was that legendary game, if we have new listeners. Uh, I did play Alex Oriaki, who is a national champion at UConn. Bodied. Don't don't be bashful. We did bodied, bodied Alex Oriaki. Yes, as a team, we did. And what what the strategy was was literally taking the air out of the ball. I don't think there was a shot clock. So unless it was a wide open layup, we didn't shoot the ball, kept moving it around. Um, but we did beat Alex Oriaki and that team. But UMass Lowell, good for them. All right, Taylor, my good thing is going to come out of Davis, California, UC Davis. There were a lot of crazy finishes amongst mid-majors in the West Coast. I don't know if you saw Long Beach State, but I could have easily gone with them, but I, I wanted to go with UC Davis. Impossibly one of the greatest comebacks in UC Davis men's basketball history. The Aggies were able to storm back Get this, Taylor, with a 15 to nothing run in the final 423 and defeat Cal Poly. Now, you and I were arguing about the four straight turnovers for Arizona. Imagine not being able to quell a 15 0 run over the course of four minutes and ending up losing. Capping off a game high 21.9, Ty Johnson delivered the game winning bucket, driving to the hole and converting a layup with just eight seconds remaining. Barely any time left, Cal Poly's Kobe Sanders would storm down the court, but was eventually met at the rim uh, and was denied any chance of the game going into overtime <laughs> via block. I mean, UC Davis, hug for them. They improved to 12 and 8 on the season, so not 17 wins yet, but 12 and 8 on the season, 5 and 3 in the Big West. And Cal Poly, they dropped 7 and 13 uh, with a conference record of one and seven. This is what I really went deep into the nitty gritty for this type of stuff. Like I said, a 12 and eight overall team versus a seven and 13 team. But man, could you have fathom giving up a 15 to nothing run? You know, when, when they say with kids getting in trouble, where are the parents? I'm saying, where are the coaches? Give me a timeout, draw something up. I don't know. I don't know what's worse giving up 15 or not even answering with anything at the line or a shot. It's it's mind numbing to me. Uh, I'm sorry, Cal Poly. I don't know what to say. You see, this is a good uh, plug for the uh, theater and college hoops Twitter account because when we come on our podcast here, which is now a twice a week program, as I believe you mentioned at the top, um, we talk about some of the bigger news in college basketball. But in reality, we got eyes, especially you, on every, not an exaggeration every game in college basketball including a game played uh, against cal paul and uc davis speaking of this if i may uh go for one second here sub i want to shout out our friend of the program old buzzers let's call him there for getting a picture with bill walton at the asu basketball game this weekend hate cool was that? hate that he is of asu uh, the distinction let's call him i guess that he slides in that direction but shout out to him, hardest working man in show business, Buzzers, finally got his picture with our boy Bill Walton there. So speaking of of games that everybody is monitoring, or nobody's monitoring except for us and him, uh, shout out to him for that. Yeah, very worthy of the shout out. Like I had tweeted, if you're not following him, you got to go follow Buzzer Beaters, okay? I'm going to pull up his actual Twitter, but he has the best videos and the quickest videos. It's actually uh, nuts. I mean, I mean it's I, 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 it, it is, it I is. dude. Uh, so something gas him up this much, but like, it's go ahead. It's actually nuts how quickly he gets this shit out. It is, but like sometimes I'll see where the video is sourced from. I'm like, how did you even think to to get it from there? But yeah, follow him at NCAA Buzzer B T E R S. So NCAA Buzzer B T E R S, all one word there on Twitter. You're gonna get some great content. Uh, from him but yeah i mean I, he was at he was at 
was it now desert financial arena? Is that what it's called? I think I kept hearing yeah, Casey that, Jacobson calling it DFA. I'm like, what the hell is that DFA? Really big, uh, that really big high school arena about 10 miles south of me here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, this is not some sort of distinguished arena name. And what is DFA? Let <laughs> so, me, uh, let me, but, uh, but well, just real quick. Ahead, so buzzer beaters was in the building, tweeted out the half court shot uh, from ASU that went in right before half. And I was like, damn, enjoy the game, baby. You can get off your phone for a little bit, but yeah, DFA, what the hell are we doing? I, I, uh, I, I, maybe even you can leave this in or cut it out. Let's put it that way. Right. Like I just don't understand in watching Bobby Hurley, especially like at the end of the USC game too, when they lost like this dude didn't talk to his team during the last like three timeouts of the basketball game and all, and all he did was yell at the, the refs uh, like across half court and shit too. Like not even like near his bench. I don't understand how like that is beneficial to any, we, you know, we were Sean Miller guys and uh, to some degree, and obviously he got really, uh, you know, up and high strung about things, but I don't understand. Uh, I, I just don't see where the, where ASU basketball is going to go with Bobby Hurley, uh, just not even going into timeout. I know they lost both games this weekend. I know I'm a hater. I get that. I just think it's kind of tough sometimes to watch that and then be an ASU fan and be like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what a coach should be doing. Not even talking to his team for the last 10 minutes down the stretch. But I'm, I'm going on a rant, so I'll, I'll leave it at that. No, I mean, sometimes it is painful to watch with the faces and the and the yelling and the theatrics. But luckily, he's our rival. So we don't have to worry about that. At the very least, it's good entertainment. So we're going to get on out of here. Thank you again for listening. We hope you enjoy all the great theater this upcoming week. We got another tasty slate, folks. Got another tasty slate. No no football to interfere with your college basketball watching on Saturday. NFC-AFC title game will be on Sunday. Uh, And then from there on out, it's pretty much going to be college basketball because the games that are going to be scheduled for Super Bowl Sunday probably won't matter all that much. I hate to say it, but uh, we are nearing that point in the season. Countdown to a bracket is on. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Thursday here on Theater in College Hoops.